Father, we thank you for your word. We bow before you today. There is no other place we can find greater consistency, greater security, a greater strength. There is no other rock for we can stand on but your word. And so today we honor you, Father, as we honor your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today will be a little different as I would like for us to uh, focus on building godly friendships. You know, as a community develops, a community develops within, develops relationally also. We are asking the Lord to enlarge our tent and in doing so, we don't just grow sideways in size, but we also grow deeper within the truth of God and deeper within relationship with one another. You see, God created friendship, the idea thereof. He created the concept of friendships. You see, friendship is an essential part of the Christian life, yet we don't seem to be putting a lot of thought into what it is and what makes it meaningful and how to cultivate and how to build these godly friendships. We talk a lot about marriage, and yet marriage is really built on an exclusive friendship that we have with another person. We talk a lot about child rearing. And yet the family unit depends very much upon building future long-term friendships, lifelong friendships. We talk a lot about how to treat our enemies, but we don't talk about how to discover and develop our godly friendships. Now, if you don't realize how foundational this friendship concept is, ask the wife who has a marriage void of friendship. And you'll find just how foundational friendship is to life itself. Ask the parent who has grown adult children who have become their enemy instead of their lifelong friend. Ask the lonely aging person. You know, you could live in a desert with fantastic friends and it'll be heaven. You can live in a state with high taxes, <laughs> with a corrupt government, with fantastic friends and it's heaven. Then again, you can live in a paradise Surrounded with broken relationships, and it's hell. Really, foundational to our life is friendship. Not relationships, friendships. Because you can have bad relationships. So most of our time spent down here on earth will find its deepest value in the friendship part of that life. You see, the Bible has so much to say about friendship. On the positive side... In Proverbs 27, 6, it tells us that while a true friend's rebuke may wound you, his rebuke proves to be more faithful than the hypocrite that continually flatters you. So friendship's not supposed to just be easy. It's supposed to be good. Right? In Proverbs 7, verse 4, it tells us that wisdom is called a friend. Proverbs 17, 17 
says a friend loves at all times. Proverbs 27.9 says that the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel to you. Proverbs 27.10 says, tells us to not forsake our friend or our father's friend. It's generational. But friendship can also have its negative aspect as well. 2 Samuel 13.1-6 tells us about the story of David's two children. They were half-brother, half-sister. This is Amnon and Tamar. Tamar was very beautiful. Amnon uh, lusted after his half-sister Tamar. But he had a friend by the name Jonadab, and Jonadab came and persuaded him, Amnon, to go and rape his half-sister. Friendships have a tremendous impact upon a person's perspective and ultimately how they go through life. Deuteronomy 13, 6-11 says, A friend can lead us astray in regard to our faith, leading us to worship false gods, making horrible priorities in life, Listening to the wrong people will destroy your perspective. Listening to the wrong people is like Eve listening to the snake. What did it do? It brought questions. That's what wrong friendships do. Every single time God wanted to lift somebody up, He brought a relationship into their lives. Whether it be Elijah, and when God wanted to raise up Elisha, He brought Elijah. Reached through Elijah, lifted up Elisha. When God wanted to raise up Timothy, he reached through Paul and he raised up Timothy. When Satan wants to destroy somebody, he reaches through Delilah and he destroys, I believe, Samson. <laughs> Just went blank for a moment there. Satan wants to destroy, he brings a person. Relationships are very powerful. Very, nothing influences you more than the people you're around. In Job 2, verse 11 through 13, Job 6, Job 42, friends, we see that friends can provide false comfort. False comfort and bad advice, as Job's friends did, making his suffering even worse. We also see in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that Paul told the Corinthians, bad company corrupts good habits. You cannot, it's inescapable. Why? Because the Bible says so. You cannot alter that truth. That truth is true for everybody because it's universal. It's true for everybody everywhere all the time. Nobody has ever escaped bad company. It's corrupted them. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion won't become, the companion of fools won't become foolish. They will be destroyed. Let me say it again. It says, He who walks with the wise. In other words, he walks with them. He follows them. He will become wise. But the one who hangs out, doesn't even have to follow them, just hangs out. He's a companion of fools. Won't become foolish, but he will be destroyed. And great is his destruction. So the question is, what is friendship? Because all communication rests upon definition of terms. So we have to de define the term friendship. What is this? It truthfully is a very, very undeniably a foundation of the of your life it determines the experience you have in the life that you live no matter where you live so what is friendship friendship is first and foremost different than a relationship we have to make a distinction there because when we talk about friendship and we see what it's about and the commitment that comes with it we have to realize that that we don't we don't offer those same commitments to relationships 
You see, there's a difference between friendship and a relationship. The one is a faithful commitment. The other one is a casual relation. You can have many relationships, but you have to build friendships. Relationships are those you work with. Relationships could include those you live next door to, those in your neighborhoods, even those that you you enjoy their personality. Those are all relationships which are different than friendships. As Christians, we are in fact commanded to love, and here they are, we commanded to love our spouse. We are commanded to love our neighbors. We are commanded to love our brothers in the Lord and our sisters in the Lord. We are commanded to love our enemies. Kind of includes everybody, doesn't it? Especially if you're married to them. <laughs> Not your neighbor, your enemy. Oh, actually. So we are commanded to love these categories of people, which really includes every person you know. But friendship is totally different. We were never commanded to befriend everybody. Because friendship is your prerogative. Friendship is your expression or the expression and the degree of your own wisdom. That's why foolish people befriend foolish people. Wise people befriend wise people. You know the old, the old saying, show me your friends. You owe no person friendship. The Bible does not demand you to do so. You have to love them. In other words, you have to have a, heart, a, bibli- a heartfelt response to them that's scriptural. You owe them love, but you do not owe them friendship. You love every person you call friend, but you do not call every person you love a friend. For instance, you are to love your enemies, aren't you? But you wouldn't call them friend, would you? So yeah, you love everyone that you call friend. But you don't call everybody friend whom you love. And this is our problem. Um, We fast friends. We make friends so quickly because we don't know the difference between relationships and how distant we ought to be from them and friendships and how close we ought to be with them and how committed we are to them and transparent we are to them. So what we do is we become close to the relation. We become transparent and we allow the snake to speak to us when in fact the people who ought to be really be friends, those who oftentimes wound us, because remember, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And we keep them distance because we don't like the wounding. And then we pull the snake closer because we like the hissing. No idea. The impact our perspective of friendships have on our lives. The friendships you choose to build reveals exactly the wisdom you live in. Emerson actually gave us a good definition of friendship. He said, quote, friendship does not ask, do you love me? So much as, do you see the same truth? I like to say it this way. Are we cut from the same cloth? 
I don't need my friend to love me as much as I need him to see what I see. Are you passionate about the same things? C.S. Lewis said this, he said, quote, the typical expression of friendship would be something like, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. You see, finding the common cause is the starting point of a meaningful relationship. Common cause. The greater the cause, the stronger the bond. Lovers are face to face, absorbing, uh, absorbed in one another, you know, in each other's eyes. Friends, however, are shoulder to shoulder, absorbed in a common cause. There's something outside of them that they both look at. What makes a friend isn't, do you want to be my friend? But do you see what I see? C.S. Lewis continues in, in his thought regarding friendship. Uh, so excuse for how he says this, but it's true nonetheless. He says, quote, this is why those pathetic individuals who always want friends can't make any. You don't build friendships by making friends, friendship the main issue. Like, oh, I just want a friend. I just want a friend. I want a friendship. I want a friendship. No, you need a cause. You need a purpose. And those who have the same cause and the same purpose, you will be shoulder to shoulder with them. And that is what friendship looks like. The very condition to have friends is that you both would want something beyond just that friendship. So what is, what is the purpose of friendship here on the earth? Uh, let me just throw that in here because I feel it's the right moment to. That's why in a, in a Bible honoring church, deepest friendships are made. It's just that way. Why? Because not only do they have, do they see the same thing, they see the same thing that, that happens to be the most valuable thing anyone can see. It's not like, it's not like uh, you know, my best buddy and I, we like to collect stamps. Well, that's cause for us being shoulder to shoulder. We see the same thing. We like the, but the value of something like that versus the gospel is different. So what is the purpose of friendship here on earth? Well, in Hebrews 3, verse 12 through 13, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Verse 13, You must warn each other every day. You must warn each other every day, while still, while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardening against God. So it's like these two people shoulder to shoulder. Hey, do you, do you see? Do you see God? Don't harden. Don't harden. We don't want to harden against God. Hey, do you see sin? That's the way you get to harden yourself against God. Do you see that? Don't do it. Don't. You, they are shoulder to shoulder looking at the same stuff. At a great and glorious God with whom, uh, uh, toward whom they should have a soft heart and sin that will cause their hearts to harden against Him. So, Piper said regarding this verse, quote, Christian friendship exists for this, to say things that keep each other believing. To say things that keep each other believing. Now, beyond Piper's insightful conclusion, I would like to develop this purpose of earthly friendship 
just so that we can have a purpose for earthly friendship and when we see the value of earthly friendship and the great purpose thereof, we would actually actively pursue building lifelong friendships because that is my prayer and that is my hope for every single one of you. To be done with all the shallow relationships as a priority and be done with chasing after everything shallow and actually do the hard thing and build true, lifelong, godly relationships. It's, it'll pay off in a much greater way than what you can ever imagine. That's where the payoff in life comes. Not the fair-weathered per people, but the truly lifelong, godly friendships. So, I would like to develop the purpose of earthly, godly relationships, or godly relationships here on earth. You see, the gospel redeems every part of your life. I don't know if you've noticed that. Every part of life is redeemed by the gospel. That's why here you're going to hear us say more and more often, all of Christ for all of life. Because the only way for life to come together and for evil to be um, dismantled is if we have all of Christ. Because all of Christ fixes all of life. All right? So the gospel actually teaches, since you were forgiven through the cross, now go and forgive others because of it. You don't forgive people because they have turned around, they have repented, and they have reconciled. No, you forgive people because you were forgiven. On that basis, do you forgive? Well, I could never forgive him for that. Well, only because you don't realize what God's forgiven you for, which was much more than what you have to forgive somebody else for. The gospel teaches that since God has shown, us, shown you kindness by drawing you to Christ, and go ahead and be kind because of it. On that basis, you be kind. Since God has chosen to give you mercy, now go ahead and be merciful. Since God has given you love, or He has loved you, even while you were yet His enemy, now go ahead on that basis and love your enemies because of it. They don't deserve it. Well, neither did you. Since you were saved through Christ's sacrifice, go ahead and do not live for self, but live for Him in a way that costs you everything. Because that's what He gave to you. Everything. Since you have received a faithful groom in Christ, He is a faithful husband. Now go ahead and you be the faithful husband. You be the faithful spouse. Because of that. On the basis of His faithfulness to you, you be faithful. You see, it's, marriage is not tit for tat. Nothing is tit for tat in this world when you know the gospel. Since the Father in heaven has cared for you, provided for you, made a way for you, and raised you in truth and love, now you go ahead and parent your children faithfully, sacrificially, diligently, in truth and in love. You see, all things point to the gospel. The gospel redeems all things in this world and in this life. If we could understand the gospel, grasp the gospel, submit ourselves to the gospel and obey it, whether it be forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, kindness, I mean, all of the above, would, we would have the power to do what's been called of us to do, required of us, if we understand what was done for us. But because we don't understand what was done for us, we don't feel like 
that man deserves to be forgiven or my en enemy deserves to be loved. All things point to the gospel. See, this fallen creation points to the promise of a new creation. Marriage points to Christ and the church. The family unit points to the Father's ultimate purpose, which is to birth and redeem for himself a family. However, in the same way, watch this, your decision to build friendships, godly friendships between you and a group of God-fearing individuals is a reflection of your friendship with God himself. That is exactly why we are told in James 4.4, adulterous, adulterers and adulteresses, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Listen, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. The point I'm making here is just as you walk away from um, building certain worldly friends, just as you walk away from these worldly friends, you are now instead going to build godly friends. So also friendship with Christ comes at a cost of your former friendship with the world. You have to give up friendships in order to have friendships. Now, I'd just like to say it this way. You'd like, you've got to give up the foolish acquaintances and relationships and stop pursuing those people and stop allowing them to talk to you. You have to pursue the God-fearing ones. Who are the God-fearing? Who's the God-fearing person? Who's the God-fearing person? He's the person whose arm you don't have to twist when the verse is right in front of them. They see the verse and they go like, say no more. It's done. I'm in. I'm in. Boots and all. Because God just said. Look at that. He said it. The person who doesn't fear the Lord, he, they look at a verse and they're like, well, you know, I heard somebody else say, and that's the problem. It's where you put scripture, where a person holds scripture determines where the fear of the Lord is in their lives. So the point I'm making here is just as you walk away from those adulterous relationships. Why is it adulterous? Because he said he's, he's drawing a parallel between love for the world and love for Christ. See that? And he says, you adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And that's the big problem we as a church have with, let's say, celebrity ministers or celebrity singers who are crossover singers and they, they truly just love the world. It's spiritual adultery. You see, friendship will always cost you something. In order to be God's friend, you're going to have to walk away from a lot. The one thing you have to absolutely walk away from is your need to be loved by the world. Your need to be accepted by the world. Your need for them to praise you. Beware if all men speak well of you. Why? Because you have kept friendship with the world. Nowhere is as clearer than in your relationship with Christ that friendship will always cost you.
while Christ gave himself sacrificially to you, you are commanded to now deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. That's if you want to be a disciple of Christ, Matthew 6, 24. So what the gospel also does is that it takes God's enemies and then makes them his friends. That's what he did. Think about Saul, who then became the apostle Paul. <laughs> there he was, Christ's absolute enemy on the road to, to Damascus. There, God intervened and took his enemy and turned him into one of the greatest instruments in God's hand. It's an amazing thing how God took his enemies and made him his friends, which would also include you and me. One of the greatest examples of friendship in the Bible is between David and Jonathan. Even though Jonathan was King Saul's son, he never becomes king. Jonathan is never called a man after God's own heart. He isn't in Hebrews chapter 11. He never wrote a book in the Bible. Jonathan, the women of Israel, never sang songs of how great Jonathan is. Jonathan is a wonderful example of the faceless yet fearless friend, hidden in the friendship he had with David. Beautiful picture. And right after Goliath incident, we pick up the story here of David and Jonathan. I want to read it to you. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 and 8. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, David just killed the giant. Right? He's talking out to the king. After that, Jonathan, the king's son, became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not return him home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. See this? This is glaring. Saul controls David out of his fear and insecurity. While Jonathan commits to David because of his love for David. There are these two contrary actions because of the motives. Verse 4, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and, and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Those were extremely valuable. And he gave it all to David. Whatever mission Saul sent David on, he was so successful that Saul gave him his a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. Verse 6, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all, uh, all the town of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and, and lyres. Uh, they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So let's look at a comparison between godly friendships that exist between David and Jonathan and the toxic, ungodly relationship Saul had with David. First, we see that godly friendships are about commitments. While selfish relationships are about control. Saul needed to control David. Jonathan was committed to David. Number two, we see that godly friendships involve costly giving. Jonathan gave to David, while selfish friendships only focus on personal gain. 
Number three, we see that God, godly friendships celebrate other wins or others' wins, while selfish relationships are crippled by comparison. You see, Saul cannot rejoice in his own success while he continues to compare himself with David. You realize they both came back from war having the victory, right? They won, yet Saul couldn't rejoice in the victory because he was comparing himself to David. Comparison with others kill contentment. It kills companionship. You cannot be com- have a companion. You cannot befriend the person you're in competition with. It is impossible to be a true friend with somebody who threatens your success. So there are four kinds of people you cannot build lifelong friendships with. Four kinds of people. These people, forget it. They're not going to be lifelong friends. It's a very disappointing thing sometimes, but they cannot. Unless, of course, God does a work in their heart and they turn around and repent. But the first of the four kinds of people you cannot build lifelong friends is the needy person. You see, needy people do not build lifelong friends because their purpose for friendship is to solve their neediness. Does that make sense? If I'm in a relationship because I'm needy, if that's the basis of my relationship, that relationship won't last. Now, I used the word relationship and it was incorrect. I should have used friendship. If I am in a friendship because I am needy, um, that basis is not truth and love. That basis is me getting something, right? Now, when we talk about friendships, remember, friendships exist between parents and their children, ultimately, eventually. It exists between husbands and wives. It exists between disciples of Christ. So the first kind is the needy person. The needy people, needy people do not build lifelong friendships. And neither do needy parents. You see, I want to say this just quickly about parenting because I think it's a really good thought. Uh, you see, the parent who's, um, let, let me say it this way. Every single parent, while their children are young, are hoping and praying and believing that one day their grown children will become their best friends. The way a parent can ensure the future f- uh, friendship with their grown child is by loving them now, not by waiting for them to love you. Love your child. Don't always do everything you do in order to be loved by them. That is a surefire way of destroying a future possible relationship. You see, the parent who is always doing everything they can to be loved by the child is the needy person in that relationship. Here's a child in need of a parent, but the parent is in need of being loved. And so all they do is they do what they, they need to do because they believe they're winning the child's love. That is not a healthy thing. That is raising a very unhealthy child. Stop being needy. Your child is a needy one, not you. The parent who needs their child's approval is not the person that child needs. 
Can you tell your child no without going, it hurts me to say no. Just say no. Stop being so needy of their love. That's not why God gave you a child. Get a dog if what you need is love, <laughs> right? God gave you a child because that child needs your godly counsel, your leadership, your confidence, your boundaries, your voice, no one else's. Stop delegating what God gave to you to the youth pastor, right? That's why... I'll never forget, we were sitting in a circle and we were talking about biblical things and there was a parent in the circle that said, and I was a youth pastor at the time, by the way, and this parent says, you know what? We were talking about, we were talking about um, Noah the other day and my child kept on thinking I was talking about Abraham. Like, what do you, what do you guys do at, at youth group? I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm responsible to teach your child the difference between Abraham and Noah? What about you, right? <laughs> you see, that parent who is the needy one, that parent who constantly needs approval from their children, will not have a deep friendship relationship with a grown-up child. They will not. Because friendship cannot be built on one person solving the other person's neediness. For, that's a relationship. That's a, it's like the child comes to visit you now that they're grown and they go like, yep, let's go to counsel again. You know, like it's like more of a counseling session, meeting with your parent than what it is, meeting with the best friend. You see, every single lifelong relationship is based on love and truth, love and truth, love and truth. That's the first kind of person who cannot build a lifelong friendship, a needy person. Number two, the narcissist. Narcissists don't build lifelong relationships either. They don't build lifelong friendships because they are the purpose of their own, of this friendship. Like here's the narcissist. He builds a relationship, a friendship. What's the purpose of this friendship? Me. Well, that's not going to last. You see, humility serves as the glue that keeps relationships together. It keeps friendships together. Together, Humility. Why? Because only humility can take the other person more serious than they take themselves. Only when you're humble can you take your wife serious and not yourself. But if you're a narcissist, you take yourself serious, but no one else. You see, narcissists cannot do that. They cannot humble themselves. They have to be taken more serious than everybody else in the room. They cannot build lifelong friendships. They will die lonely. Number three, the third kind of person that cannot build lifelong friendship is the competitor. Those who are always comparing themselves with you cannot build lifelong relationships. Why not? Because they cannot be, they cannot be content until they are as good as you are or better than you. You see, when you win, they feel left behind. Well, no lifelong relay friendship can be built on that. So when you win, they feel left behind and cannot celebrate you unless they're the one winning. 
And the fourthly, there are many of these, but here are four. The fourth one is gossips. This is a big one. So please listen closely. Gossips cannot have rich, meaningful, lifelong friendships. Because gossips can't, ma- because they cannot be trusted with your life, with, with your personal life issues. So, so you're gonna, so you're gonna be steering away from me with your personal life issues if you know that I am the newspaper of the town, right? Because you couldn't be transparent with me if I'm a gossip. How could we have a friendship? Let me say this: gossips loves the one they are with. They love the one they're with. Fair-weather friends, they never make deep friendships. Proverbs 16.28 says it. It says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends, even their own. So finally, we have to talk about choosing and building lifelong friendships. Choosing and building lifelong friendships. How do we do this? How do we choose them and how do we build them? How do we choose them and how do we build them? And hopefully, I'm praying that every single one of us will grow building lifelong, God-fearing friendships that are meaningful and that affects the life that you have. Even if you live in Illinois, you love it. The first verse is Proverbs 18.24. It says, one who, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. One who has unreliable friends soon come to ruin. So what is he saying? He says, he's basically telling you to make friends based on not their personality, but their character. See that? Yet, We love hanging around the person we enjoy the most. No. You should actually hang around the person with the greatest character. The most reliable person. Secondly, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You see, as, as, as the iron blade of a knife is sharpened and made fit for, the, for use by rubbing it against one another, so also is one person sharpened by making or, or and may fit for use. So in other words, as iron sharpens iron. So you take the one blade and you sharpen the other blade with the same blade. What are you doing? You're making it fit for use. You're making it more effective. So the question is, who's making you more useful to God? That is the person you ought to pursue as a lifelong friend. Who makes you more fit and more useful? to God. But let me turn it around. Let me ask this. Who are you making more useful to God? Who are you making more useful for God? Because we're looking at, who should I befriend? Are you the person anybody else would want to befriend? Like if you're a gossip, hopefully everybody will stay away from you, right? I feel comfortable to speak like this because I know we did have communion and we repented didn't we <laughs> so so we're good <laughs> psalm 119 verse 63 says i am a friend to all who fear you look at that 
I am a friend, David says, to all who fear you. Wow, this verse right here just blew me away. I couldn't stop looking at it. I am a friend to all who fear you. If you had to ask the greatest king who ever lived, other than Jesus, what is your criteria for friendship? Here it is. I'm a friend to all who fear you, God. To all who follow your precepts, those who fear you and obey you. We're already friends. We're looking at the same thing. We desire the same thing. We cut from the same cloth. We're going in the same direction. Yeah, but I don't like your personality. Trust me, we'll be best friends forever. <laughs> the deepest of friends are not merely drawn to each other because of their love for one another. They are drawn to each other because of their mutual love for Christ. It's just wonderful to find somebody who just loves Scripture. Because there's no other way. There's absolutely no other way of determining if somebody is in fact God-fearing or not. There's no other possible way of finding it out. Let's pray. Father, today we pray that you open our hearts and our minds. Give us a grace for understanding God. I pray, Father God, that your word goes forth, lays foundations in our lives, causes us to erect um, guardrails, that we will keep, keep on the road, stay on the road, Father, that we will keep moving forward in our relationship with you as you have given us and graced us with this wonderful concept of God-fearing lifelong friends. And I pray, Father God, that you teach us and train us how to wisely go about cultivating, finding, cultivating, and building God-fearing friendships because all of life experience hangs on that. Amen. Amen.